serious confession to make, and only a few people know it about me, all right? Like, I'm dead serious, and I'm kind of embarrassed about it, okay? So I don't want y'all to judge me too hard. But I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. Huh? Uh, the first song I ever learned was, uh, no, it was the, You Belong With Me. She wears short skirts. I love that. But anyways, look. <laughs> That's the first song I ever learned. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> hey, I'm not joking. Do we have any Taylor Swift fans in here tonight? Okay, it's mostly girls. Okay, I'm kind of embarrassed. But at least I'm, at least I'm not alone. Okay. <laughs> hey. Oh, yeah, her, her and Miranda Lambert are. <laughs> nah, guys, seriously. Hey, lock in. Hey. But no, look, I'm, I just want to tell you all that, joke around. But look, I'm super excited and honored to be here tonight um, and have this opportunity. I, I enjoyed it really last August, or not last August, but a few months ago in August when I came up here and preached. So got this opportunity, so I'm super excited to be here. I'm sure most of you all have heard about Night of Worship that we had a uh, Saturday night. It was, look, it was super spectacular. Look, the worship was extremely good. It was really good to be with other churches. And on Cherry on Top, man, Cade brought an unbelievable word. And uh, if you weren't there, I hate to say it, but you missed out. But don't feel too bad on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. We're having a conference in April. So if you feel like you missed out, you can come to the conference. So kind of how tonight came about. So... Last Wednesday after the panel talk, most of y'all have already kind of left. And me and Kay, Darren and Shay were talking. Kay came up to me. He was like, uh, when do you want to preach again? I was like, yo, bro, whenever you want, man, whenever. He was like, whenever. I was like, yeah, whenever. He said, what about Wednesday? I said, <laughs> um, um, uh, I, I can't this coming Wednesday. <laughs> I was like, I, what about, I meant like whenever as in a month from now. Give me at least a month notice. But no, nah, but then I. On the way home, I felt really convicted, and the next morning I felt really convicted because I had been praying for another opportunity to spread God's Word. And He had, he had given me opportunities through Sunday school, but specifically up here like I'm doing tonight and like I did in August. And it hit me hard. I was like, you know, something that I've been praying for from God, He's given me the opportunity, but I've turned it away. And I was like, dang. So I went home Thursday night, and I, I knew about where we would be in the series of Philippians, so I'd done two points without telling anyone. I said, if I get two points done, I'll text Kay, like, I'll do it. Sure, well, I got two points done, and I text him, and I can do it. But uh, the book of Philippians is really special to me, especially chapter four and the verses we're going to be in tonight. So I'm super pumped up. I've had two energy drinks today. I'm running on 600 milligrams of caffeine. So I'm pumped up and fired up to get this ready. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter four, verses one through nine. Here we go. Starting at verse one. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Adoya, and plead with Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. I just winged those names, guys. <laughs> yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Here we go, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So my sermon title tonight is, Where Do You Run To? Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity, God. I just ask you to come into this place. Lord, we invite you in here tonight to do what only you can do, God. Soften every one of our hearts, Lord. Open up our minds, God. And Lord, just let you speak through me, God. So I cannot try to force anything and just let you take over me because these are not my words. These are your words, God, and you deserve all the glory, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So look, I know we've been in the book of Philippians for like five months now. It seems like three years, right? But look, and I know we probably know the context and the theme of the book of Philippians by, by now, and you're probably like, Tyler, I swear, if you start giving me the context and theme, I will literally get up and leave. But seriously, I feel like it's necessary for this chapter and the verses we're going to be in tonight. I really feel led to refresh our memory of the context and the theme of the book of Philippians. So we know this is Paul writing in prison to the believers of Philippi, right? And he's not in prison for anything he's done wrong, but he's in jail for going and sharing the gospel. And the theme of the book is still joy. See, I, I mainly want to camp out tonight at verses 4 through 9. So let's look back at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. See, the definition of the word rejoice is to feel or show great joy or delight. I was looking at synonyms for the word rejoice, and I came across delight, like it says in the definition, be glad, and to express confidence in. If you notice, Paul is very clear about rejoicing in the Lord always. He even says it twice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. The very first time I heard this verse, I was like, hmm, that, that's easy. Just rejoice in the Lord always, praise him, express my confidence in him. That's easy. I got this. But then the more I read that, and grew in my faith, I was like, nah, it's, it's a little bit deeper than that and a little bit harder than it may seem. As I got older and real life problems started to appear, I was like, whoa, 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 wait. You mean I have to praise God even during my hard times too? Not just when everything is going good? I was like, no, 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 no. If he loved me, he wouldn't put me through this and allow me and allow stuff like this to happen to me. You know, I would go and search and put my hope and stuff for this world and it would help until that time faded away and it was leaving me back empty again. As followers of Jesus, our mindset should not be that we will never face hard times because that's not the case at all. God's word is very clear about that in John 16, 33. Hey, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, not might. He said, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. See, the difference between non-believers and believers is not as Christians that we will never face hard, hard times. because That's not true at all. The difference is we have a hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. Which leads me to my first point tonight. When you're at your breaking point, where do you put your hope in? When you're at your breaking point, where do you put your hope in? <laughs> I feel like we all go through a season or many seasons of rough patches in life. And it could be many things, such as your parents getting a divorce, verbal and physical abuse from someone, a heartbreak, a loss or a loved one, etc. Whatever that hard time looks like for you, it's different for every single one of you, but it's real. We have all had some hard situations in life, and if you haven't, I promise you that you will. 
But when these hard times come, I encourage you to still praise and rejoice in the Lord in the middle of that circumstance. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, it's easy to have faith and rejoice and express our confidence on our best days when everything is going good in life. When we leave church camp, when we leave Atlanta, or when we leave night of worship, it's easy to express our confidence in God on those days. But what about our worst days? What about when everything that seems like it could possibly go wrong seems to be going wrong all at once and coming down on top of us? See, true faith comes when we face these hard times and say, I don't care what is going on in my life or what lies ahead of me, I will still choose to put my hope in God because he is bigger than any circumstance that I will face and that I am currently facing right now. But guys, like, do you really believe that God is bigger than any circumstance that you will face and that you're facing? Because if I'm going to be completely honest with you, I sometimes struggle with that. I'll hit a roadblock in life and I'll question God. I'm like, can you really get me through this? But then I have to remind myself of how almighty God really is and that he is sovereign and that nothing catches him by surprise. We look back at verse, verses 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, it says in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. See, it's easy to pray to God and thank God for everything when we don't have any problems or anything to worry about. It's easy to pray to him and thank, thank him for the good times. But what about when these unexpected problems occur? Will we still have the same prayer life and the same thanksgiving during the hard times too? See, I saw a quote one time that said, when we worry about our circumstances, it's like betting against God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, a lot of times all we can see is just the next turn, but God can see the whole map. All we can see is the breakup, but God can see the future marriage. All we can see is the family and childhood trauma we have been through, but God can see the future testimony that lets others know that they are not alone and there is another way out, and that way is Jesus Christ. So my second point tonight is, where do you find joy in the midst of a circumstance? Have you ever been around someone who keeps like doing the same thing over and over again, trying to get a certain result, and like they get mad and aggravated when that they don't get the result they're expecting for? Well, you're like, you big dummy, because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, what do you expect? There's actually a definition for that, and it's called insanity. Albert Einstein once said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. Might I say that's how some of us are with our walk with Christ? Like, what I mean by that is when we face trials in our life, and we'll run back to the getting drunk, to the drugs, to the sleeping around, to the pornography or just trying to fit in with everyone because we think those things are the things that bring us joy and happiness. And yeah, that might bring you a short-term satisfaction, but when that time passes, it'll leave you feeling empty and searching for fulfillment and healing that only Jesus can do. The things of this world come and go, but God is eternal. We, we need to come to realize that our will for our life and that God's will for our life will rarely align with each other. I hate to be blunt, but as humans, we're, we're pretty selfish, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. Like, we rarely like being told what to do by another person. If we're honest, most of us are like, you know, it's my way or the highway. And I'll be the first to admit it. I'm a little selfish, and I say it's my way or the highway a lot. You know, I think Shay's wanting to get up and scream amen 
around here. <laughs> but that's serious. I'll be the first to admit that. But I'm working on it every day. But when, when God gives you, don't, doesn't give you exactly what you want, how will you respond? But God loves you too much to give you every little thing that you want. But when he doesn't give you everything and you want and you're in the week of a middle and you are weak in the middle of a circumstance, how will you respond? Will you still worship God the same you did when everything was going good in life? See, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That should bring us joy knowing that he works for the good of those who love him. With that, we should be content knowing that no matter what we face in life, and that we will be, he works for the good of those who love him. If you love God and you're going through a circumstance, you have to remind yourself of Romans 8, 28, that you, if you love him, he is working for the good in your life. My third point tonight is your circumstances do not define who you are. Some of you have, some of you have been dealt some really bad and unfair hands in life. Some of you have had, had to experience things that people your age shouldn't have to go through. And it's, it's not fair. I wish I could tell you that it's fair and everyone does it, but it's not fair. But it's not your fault. And I want to tell you I'm sorry, but it's not your fault and it's not fair. But your circumstances do not have to define who you are and the life you are called to live. See, when we look at Paul and where he was writing from, what were his circumstances? He, he was in prison and hated for sharing the gospel. He, he could have very easily lost his hope and zeal for Jesus, but no, he still chose to have joy in Jesus, knowing that at any minute he could have been killed, but his faith was still in Jesus. You know, we've already covered this verse back but back in Philippians 1.21, he says, hey, for me to live is Christ and to die is a gain. He's like, it's a win-win situation for me. Do whatever you want. I don't care. I'll win either way. <laughs> what faith that takes, huh? Paul is saying there, no matter what happens to him, if he lives or is about to get killed, he will remain faithful to God. He knew that if he lived, he would get to live and live for Christ and share the gospel still. But death would be much better because he gets to go and be with the Lord Jesus in heaven. See, Paul's identity was founded in Christ and not the situation he was in. Because if it was founded in the situation he was in, he probably would not have wrote that verse. See, Paul's, how many of you have done the complete opposite of that, though? Your, your past trauma or your family troubles or whatever you may be struggling with, you're like, oh, well, I can't fix it. It's just who I am. It's just who I am for the rest of my life. But no, our character and our faith is not dependent on our settings and situation. Our character and identity is dependent on our creator. We cannot base our faith on how we're feeling at the moment. No, no, no. Paul says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. He says, I'll even say it again. Rejoice. We shouldn't just praise God when we're feeling good or when we feel close to him. We praise God because of how great he is and how in his mercy and never-ending and unfailing love for us. We don't worship Jesus because we're trying to earn a blessing. The cross was our blessing. So we give him praise no matter our circumstances for the blessing that we do not deserve. So my fourth and my final point tonight is don't give up or you could call it keep going. One of my favorite quotes by one of my biggest role models in life, Tim Tebow, it's a very simple but powerful quote and it goes like, I don't know what my future holds, but I do know who holds my future. It's simple, maybe even a little cliche, but it holds so much power and truth. Some of you may have been 
through some past trauma, a hard home life, bullied, or you may still be going through some of that. I don't really know. And you just feel like God has forgotten about you. Or you feel like God, you, or you have no purpose in life. But then we look at scripture, right? Matthew 6, 26 through 27. Look at, the, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barn. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? See, if God woke you up this morning and your heart is still beating and you are still leaving, might I tell you that God is not finished with you yet and you do have a purpose for being on this earth, even, even if you don't feel like it. If your heart is still beating, you have a purpose. God has made each and every one of you fearfully and wonderfully made. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. Like, don't give up. Keep pushing forward. God has a plan for your life. He could turn all that hurt that you're feeling from your past trauma or the trauma that you're in right now, all that shame that you're feeling into glory, but you have to allow him to. Worrying does nothing but cause more anxiety and harm to yourself. I looked up the definition of worry and it said, causing anxiety about potential problem. If you notice, I emphasize the word potential because that means potential means it's not happened yet and maybe never will. Maybe you feel like God does not love you or care for you because you have or what you have been through. You may be thinking, if God loved me or cared for me, he would not have allowed me to experience those type of things in my life. And again, we look at scripture. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You're probably like, Tyler, I'm at a low place right now. It really doesn't feel like God cares for me. Tyler, are you sure are you sure God cares for me because he allowed me to experience this trauma, this heartbreak, this, this family trouble, bullying, a tragic death to someone, or etc.? Are you really sure that he cares for me because I don't feel like he does right now? If you ever doubt how much God cares for you, just look at the cross. If you ever doubt how much he cares for you, just look at the cross. He sent his one and only son into the world to take our place on the cross and die for our sins. He, knew, he who knew no sin literally became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He did not wait for us to become a good person or get everything together, get our ducks in a row before he walked to the cross and died for our sins. No, Romans 5, 8 makes that very clear. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2,000 years ago, he knew the future. He foreknew the future. He knew every one of us would become Caesar's. Sinners, but he demonstrates his own love for us by still hanging on the cross and taking our place where we should have been so we could become the righteousness of God. Man, if you ever wonder how much God loves, cares for you, just look at the cross. So I got a little story. Um, <laughs> Shay knows where I'm going with this. But uh, one morning I was uh, getting ready to leave for work. And my mom was letting the dog out to pee. I think it was um, to use the bathroom. Sorry. <laughs> but to uh, use the bathroom. And I think it was like a Labor Day, this past Labor Day. And I had this old baseball net in my yard. And it was tipped over from the storm we had recently had. But anyway, she was letting my dog out to pee. And she looked out. And she looked at the net. And she saw something tangled up in the net. And it couldn't get out. And I'm in there brushing my teeth, getting ready for work. And she's like, oh, my gosh, 
gosh, Tyler, come up here. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I had a toothbrush in my mouth, ran up front. I was like, mom, what is it? She was like, I think it's a rat or a squirrel hang up in the net. I was like, hang on, let me get my Superman cape on or something. I slipped on my shoes. I, I went out there and I, I went down there and checked it out, see what it was. I was looking at it and she's yelling, is it a rat? I was like, no, mom, it's a rabbit. It's not a rat or a squirrel. And she was, <laughs> I was like, can you give me some scissors, please? Uh, it looks like it's in a tough spot right now. It looks like it can't get out. It looks like it's in a hard place right now. And anyway, she brought me some scissors. I looked. I didn't even notice the type of scissors she got me. I started trying to cut it. And the whole time, the rabbit is making this most awfulest and heartbreaking sound. Like It's like, <laughs> then I had my mom in my ear saying, like, did you, did you get it? I was like, no, mom, these scissors must have been from like 2,000 years ago because they are rusty. I need some more. And I sent her inside to give me some more. And I'm sitting there. I'm literally talking to the rabbit. I'm like, calm down, buddy. It's going to be okay. I'm trying to help you. I know, I know you think I'm trying to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know you think I'm trying to help you, but calm down. Let me help you. Anyway, she brought me some more. Um, I, she brought me some more scissors, and I started trying to cut it. I cut it. Anyway, it's long story short, I set it. I set it free and I, I rescued the thing. I was trying to help it and the whole time it's sitting there trying to fight against me and run away from me. And the whole time when that immediately happened, I knew that one day I would use that in a sermon. Like it's really funny, but it holds so much truth. But as I was driving to work, I was like, wow, isn't that how we are with God? We, we get in a mess or, or a hard time and God's just trying to get us out of it. But the whole time we're trying to fight against him or go about it our own way, which is leading to more harm. Because if I wasn't there to save him, he probably would have tangled up and died right there. You may be steadily running from God. The whole time he's just trying to help us and some, some of the hardest things that we will face in life. The whole time he's just saying, come to me. Let me help you, my child. I know it's a narrow road, but I promise it's the way that leads to life. The other way leads to destruction. It seems like it's right because it's a wide road and there are a lot of people going down it. But come to me. I know it's narrow, but it's the way that leads to life. You may be steadily running from God and just waiting for him to meet you and literally grab you and make you turn toward him. And you're like, God, where are you? God, I, I thought you loved me. God, why are you late? Why haven't you met me yet? But the truth is, he hasn't let you. He has already met you, and he is waiting for you to turn toward him and to follow him. Maybe it's time for some of you to stop running. You know, in Revelation 3.20, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Maybe some of you have been hearing that knock, but you're ignoring it and steadily running and trying to find life and whatever else other than God, whether I don't know what it is, relationships, school, sports, pornography, sex, whatever it may be, you're trying to find an alcohol, drugs. But in reality, you're hearing that knocking on the other side of that door. It's the life that you've been searching for and the healing that you've been searching for. Some of you may be tired of running from God, feel like he's left you. But he's been in the same place the whole time. He's just waiting for you to turn to him. He's waiting for you to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. It's not easy to do. So maybe some of you 
have been running from God for a while. Maybe some of you, you've been letting your circumstances define how you live your life. But God's already paid the price, or Jesus already paid the price. So I don't know where you are right now. I, I don't know where any of you are right now. Maybe you're running. Maybe you're, you are with God and you're letting your circumstances overcome you and drown you. So wherever you are with God, man, I, if you feel like he's knocking at the door, but you're steadily running from it, man, I encourage you to talk to a leader, talk to Cade, whoever you feel comfortable with, and get that right. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight, God. There, there are some people who are running from you, God. They, they, they're trying to put their hope in everything else in this world. God is just filling them, leading them back empty again, God. God, I pray tonight some of them will stop, God, and just surrender fully to you, Jesus. Because you are the light they are searching for, and they, and they just don't know it, God. They're, and they're hurting, God. I just pray you reveal yourself to them tonight, God. God, just watch over us. Keep us safe on the way home, God. Again, thank you so much for tonight, God. You deserve all the glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen.